Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Sabrina Zohar and I am the host of Do The Work Podcast. I am so excited to have you guys back for another amazing episode. And we are doing part two of our episode with Miss Masha Kay. Uh, Masha is here today to talk to us about intuition first gut, calming your nervous system and learning to trust yourself. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Okay, we're back for another episode of Do The Work Podcast. So excited to have you back, Masha. Thank you for coming back for part two. I am so excited. Part one was so much fun, but we have so much more to talk about. We have so much more we to talk about. We needed to do a part two, and I'm so honored to be here. I think the best bet is you just start and tell us who you are. Reintroduce yourself for the folks that maybe didn't hear episode five. Hint, hint. Go listen to episode five. Uh, and yeah, tell us what you do. Yeah, so my name is Masha Kay. I'm a nervous system and breathwork coach. And that doesn't really mean a lot to somebody who doesn't know what the nervous system is. But basically, I help people learn to regulate their nervous system, learn to optimize their well-being, and reconnect with who they are in order to be able to make sustainable changes in their lives. Because the reality is the reason we're not making progress or changing in our relationship, in our careers, is because of the nervous system. The nervous system stops us because its job is to keep us safe. And so when we learn to regulate our nervous system, when we learn to connect with ourselves on a very deep level and trust ourselves, then the work of moving forward on your goals becomes that much easier. And so I help with that whole journey. So now let me, to, to, to clarify, because I've always taken it as the nervous system is kind of, so we have your attachment styles. And I've always taken it as that your nervous system is responding to whatever attachment style that you deal with and manifesting your behavior from that. Am I correct on that? Kind of. Yeah. So the reality, like your attachment style is basically how your nervous system learned to keep you safe as a child, okay. right? So our nervous system's job is to keep us safe. And so in early childhood, any experience that happens to us, our nervous system kind of takes note and is like, wait, th if this happened in childhood, it's probably going to keep happening. Now, yeah. that's not true now, but in the wild, right? If there was a tiger jumping out at you at age three, it's going to keep jumping out at you for the rest of your life. So you better develop a survival mechanism to protect you from that tiger. Right. So when things happen in our childhood that are painful or uncomfortable, our nervous system remembers and develops different survival mechanisms yeah. to help us move forward. And so attachment is how we learn to survive, basically, in relationship. When our needs are not getting met, physical, mental, or emotional, our nervous system takes note and it's like, okay, what would be the, the best way to make sure our needs still get met? Anxious attachment is your nervous system saying like, hey, your primary caregiver isn't around consistently. So the best way for you to get your needs met is for you to get really loud and become hypervigilant. And that works if a baby's always crying and right. nagging, right? It will, its needs will get met a little bit more than if it just stayed quiet, right? And so your nervous system learns that and then it continues that. And we yeah. call this blueprint 
of relationship attachment. Okay. Now, again, an interesting question because, like, for instance, my brother and I, same, I mean, on paper, same childhood, same parents, but wildly different attachment styles. I'm incredibly anxious. I'm textbook. He's very avoidant and he retreated in that way. How do you see that manifesting in this situation? Yeah. So this is really interesting. One of the people that I love most in this world, Dr. Gaber Mate, he talks about this and he says, no two children grew up in the same family. Yeah. Right. So you don't know what it's like to have you as a sister. Your brother right. doesn't know what it's like you know, in, in reverse, your parents, although they love you guys equally, never treat kids exactly equally, right. right? There's age gaps, there's different experiences. And so because of that, it does come out very different. And often we play off one another. So often with siblings, you will see one is anxious, one is avoidant, right? Because the way the avoidant responded to the anxious is like, oh, that their emotions are really big, that overwhelms me. So they protect yeah. themselves almost from their siblings or their parents by taking on the opposite attachment. So we kind of play off that way in relationship in general, which is why in partnership then we often have that different dynamic as well. We're playing off one another and then we're attracting what's familiar. So if you were anxious and your parents were avoidant or your brother was avoidant, yeah. you might now attract avoidance because that actually feels familiar to your nervous system. Right. And it's, it's that age old thing of like, I married my father. I married my mother. I married, you know, like I, it's so creepy. All the guys I date all look like my brother. They're all tall, dark, handsome, like, you know, athletic, thin. And it's like, uh, it's, I, I guess maybe Oedipus. Maybe I don't fucking know. Um, but I think something that I, 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 probably the number one question I get just even in the, in the world of what we're doing is how do I know? How do I differentiate? Is this my anxiety or is it my gut? Because when I've talked to my therapist and has worked through this, at least in relationships specifically, the way that I identify it personally is that your gut reaction is actually quite a calm reaction. It's not because it's not coming from childhood traumas. It's not coming from a space of whatever you had as far as experiences. Like I equate it to if you walked by a dark alley, you're not going to start going up in arms and feeling this. Your gut is saying, you're not fucking walking down that because you know better. Versus when you're anxious, you've got the narrative that starts to play. You've got that familiarity and you have those core beliefs that you are trying to reaffirm. And that's really, at least for me, when I'm working with the dating sphere of like, how do you, how are you able to differentiate between your anxiety and intuition when it comes to dating? But I'd love to hear your thought process on the nervous system and how you feel you can tell the difference between the two. Yes. And so this is like a really interesting topic. And I think there's a little bit of overlap. Like it's it's nuanced, right? Because I would actually say when you're walking by a dark alley, your survival instinct is kicking in as well. Your nervous system is like, wait, dark alley, you know, shady, something looks uncomfortable. Your nervous system is remembering that and now it's getting activated, right? It's a cue of danger. And which, and I totally agree. And I think the difference though is your gut is telling you if you walk down the alley, that's when the anxiety starts to spew because a lot of times I think our gut will say it and then our nervous system is like, cool, she's not listening. And it feels like it, then it starts to compensate. Exactly. So you know? it's like a little bit of both and you're right. It like starts as one and turns into the other. Absolutely. And so the way I think about it, very similar to how you were thinking about it, like one, yes, absolutely. You're instinct, your intuition, gut or intuition, I kind of will use those interchangeably, yeah. gut versus intuition and intuition is going to be very neutral. Yeah. It's going to be very calm. It's going to be very grounded. If you're into spirituality, when we talk about the higher self-consciousness, it's that very level energy. Your intuition is going to be very similarly. Now let's look at it from a nervous system standpoint. If you are activated, if your nervous system is dysregulated, 
you cannot access your intuition. Yeah. Once you go into a survival state, now we have two different survival states. One is very activated and mobilized, one is shut down. Doesn't matter which one you're in. Once you go into that state, you completely lose connection to yeah. your intuition. That parts of your brain start turning off. You do not have access to that, right? Survival instinct has taken over. It works much faster than your prefrontal cortex. So that is not available to you. So what I always say to people is if you're trying to like think about a relationship and be like, is this right for me or is this not? Or a job. I talk about both those things a lot. I always say to people, if you are dysregulated, you're not going to find that answer. So the work is get regulated, regulate your nervous system, come back to a grounded place. And once you're in a grounded place, we could start doing the work of like pulling things apart, identifying things, right? What is a need? What is a boundary? What do I really want? You feel more connected to your desires. You feel connected to your body. Your body's sending a lot of messages, right? Like why do we say our intuition is in our gut? There's certain sensations when you're in a survival reaction response you don't feel that you are completely disconnected from that so the number one step is always what actions can you take to get to a more regulated place because your judgment will be clouded like that person might not be right for you and you might be having that dysregulation both might be happening but to really understand if they're not right for you you first need to deal with the dysregulation right and then you could address it both could be true but you cannot make that call right when you're dysregulated yeah i was reading something the other day in like a psychology magazine of like, yeah, if you're in the ruminating thoughts, you're not in your front cortex, which is decision-making, which is why at least when I'm giving advice to you guys of like how to manage your anxiety, the first thing I always tell everybody is like, ground yourself, get yourself back to where you are, calm your nervous system because you're not making any decisions, which kind of thing I think will go into that overthinking component of like, when I'm in that dysregulated space, Nothing makes sense. There is no comp, there is no like logic. That goes out the brain. Anxious brain is I need to hold on to as many core beliefs. I need to hold on to as much of the shit thinking and I need to hold on to as much of what's familiar for me because that's what I know. So I'm going to keep perpetuating that because that's what saved me up until now. Me hyper-focusing on the fear of the future and being abandoned and all that, that got us to where we are through childhood into adulthood. But now what it's about is one, identifying where you learned all of this behavior. That I think is like the most fucking important aspect of that inner child work but then two learning how to self-soothe which is what i want to ask you next but learning how to self-soothe in those moments that you can come back to equilibrium and then make decisions from a more informed secure space as opposed to in dysregulation yes and i would i agree with you except one thing i would change is those two steps reverse the order we first need to regulate our nervous systems back to our more grounded, regulated, I call it ventral, when talking about polyvagal theory, to a more ventral place. And then once you're in that place, your prefrontal cortex turns on because whenever we go into survival, prefrontal cortex turns off, right? So once that prefrontal cortex is back on, then pulling things apart, talking things out, then those things become powerful, like including even therapy, right? But when we're dysregulated, talking using logic is pointless, which is why if you try to talk to someone when they're in dysregulation, you can give them all the answers, all the logic. It's not going to help. Just like a child, if a child is dysregulated and emotional, you could explain the situation them 40 times, but they won't hear you right and so that's why we first need to kind of develop some kind of toolkit to get regulated before we go into analyzing thinking and intellectualizing oh yeah that's the mistake i think everyone makes no i'm with you on that i I think maybe i said it wrong but i think 100 the first step is grounding yourself to getting yourself back to the present moment so that you can tap into those tools whether it's meditation like we'll talk about some self-soothing tools that's number one number one is just reminding yourself where you are not going into the thoughts not continuing to perpetuate them and letting sitting in the rumination and then and it's 
figuring out your toolbox, then, only then, can you then tackle anything And I think that's a lot of, like, what happens on social media and, like, in this world, right? Like, I'm sure you see it where people come here dysregulated and they're asking for answers from this dysregulated place and they're trying to intellectualize and analyze from a dysregulated place and they're just going in circles and, like, I need more information, I need more books, more, 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 but more will not resolve the dysregulation. You can't think or intellectualize your way out of dysregulation. It is of the body. You need to change your physiological state. And I think people are really missing that yeah. and they're going in circles and that's actually like destroying their level of self-trust because they're like, well, I can't trust myself. My brain doesn't work. You know, some people will say to me like, I feel I have multiple personalities because yeah. I say one thing, then the other. And I'm like, yo, you don't have multiple personalities by no, by no means. That's not what bipolar means. I've had people right. ask me that because they feel so different when they're dysregulated yes. and regulated. And that's what's actually happening. When you're dysregulated, you are literally a very different person. You have a completely different lens on the world. Your story about the world always follows the state of your nervous system. Totally. Which I've, and I've I got a people, a lot of people when I talk about anxiety, they'll be like, that's borderline personality disorder. I'm like, first of all, you're not a doctor to being diagnosing that. You need to be diagnosed with that in hand. And that's why Masha and I will never diagnose other people. We're not doctors. That's not our job. Our job though is to understand where you are, meet you where you are, and give you the tools to help. So when it comes to tools, what are some things that you work on with clients? Like how does self-soothing look, at least for what you do? And then I can also share some of my techniques after. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about the nervous system, like explaining yeah, what I teach. So I always educate, I always start, no matter what I'm working on with a client, no matter what kind of goals, you know, relationship, career, whatever it may be, personal life, I always start with educating them about their nervous system. We call it befriending. Like befriend your nervous, get to know your unique nervous system because it is. Our nervous systems are very unique because of our trauma, because of our lived experiences. Like that's kind of like the really cool, like mind-blowing thing about the yeah. nervous system is your nervous system is perfectly customized to your lived experience. So it is wild. literally morphed so to your, cool. right? So cool. It's so freaking cool. It's so freaking brilliant if you yeah. really think about it. Like you had these pains and traumas and your nervous system formed around them to protect you. Yep. And all your responses are not random and fucked up. They are all perfectly customized to really painful, difficult things that happen. And your nervous system trying to protect you from them. Like your nervous system is not broken. It yeah. is just working really fucking well. Like that's kind of our biggest problem. Our nervous system works really fucking well and it's not designed for the modern world. No, and, and that's why a lot of like to put this into kind of the dating perspective, which I think a lot of people need the, the, the bridge yeah, gap. It's that's why when I say, so for instance, you didn't get the text that you want. From when you were a child, it was normal because you had, you had fear of abandonment and your body told you that you need to anticipate other people's needs and protect yourself. So thus you go into, okay, well, I know it's going to happen so I can anticipate it because that is your caregiver and you are understanding that. The problem is that as you get into the real fucking world and you start dating, that's not your mama and that's not your father. These people are not the people that that did that to you. So you consistently project how you handled those situations onto them, which is where I constantly go into. If you start freaking out because you haven't gotten the text message, have you noticed for those on here that you do the same behavior with people? It's never different. It's the same fucking thing over and over. And that's why at one point my mom used to stop me and go, you realize it's it's the same guy, just a different face, just add a different name because you are treating everybody as if they are the people that caused you that anxiety and that those triggers. But what you're not understanding is you have to learn to differentiate that and soothe within yourself to be able to see the situation differently because those are not the same people. 
100%, right? Your nervous system projects the past onto the present. And when you're dysregulated, you almost can't tell the difference. Nah. And so what mm -hmm. Sabrina's saying, you're, you're absolutely right, which is you need to kind of remind yourself like, wait, this isn't my mom. This isn't my yeah. dad. And I have way more control in this situation than I did back then, right? But to come back to your question, because I know I didn't answer it of like, okay, how do you regulate? Yeah. So back to this idea of like, okay, your nervous system is really brilliant. It's customized to your lived experience. There's nothing broken about it. I don't care what diagnosis you yeah. have. Yeah. Your nervous system is not broken, is functioning exactly as it was designed to do. Yeah, there's right? no fixing it. There's no fixing it. We're not fixing it whatsoever because it wasn't broken. You're not broken. Like right. that is a core belief that I work with. You are not broken and you need to work on remembering that, right? Yeah. So once we understand that, we start thinking, okay, what does your unique nervous system look like? And how does it move through the different states. Now, a tiny bit of education on the nervous system. So our nervous systems have three distinct states, okay. right? We have a state of regulation of safety, okay. right? And we could talk about what that looks like. I know that was one of the questions we want to talk about. We have a state of safety when we feel grounded, we feel present in our bodies, the prefrontal cortex is online, our body is functioning optimally, all the organ systems of the body, which are connected through your nervous system are functioning optimally, right? Your metabolism, all the things, your immune system, your productive organs, that only happens when you're regulated, by the way. So so if you know you're living in a dysregulated way, consistently living in survival, I can bet you have gut issues. I can bet yeah. you have anxiety, like all of that. That's again, it's not broken. Your nervous system meant to do that. It's just not meant to live in that. Right. And that's why now we have all these chronic health issues, right? Again, yeah. away from the point. So that's a regulated state. And now we have two states of dysregulation. I promise this is really important to regulating. We have two states of dysregulation. One is what we call fight or flight. I call yeah. it sympathetic because it's a little more. It's when your body mobilizes to keep you safe. So if you're calm and fine, you're walking in the wild and you hear something in the bushes, you hear a threat, right? Your nervous system is going to mobilize preparing to fight or run from the tiger. So what's going to happen? Your breath is going to speed up. Your heart rate speeds up. There's a lot of blood flow to muscles. Your vision becomes very mm -hmm. narrow, right? Mm -hmm. All of this, literally yeah. your saliva changes, everything changes to help you mobilize. Your immune system turns off, metabolism, anything that's not necessary. To, like it's so brilliant. Yeah. Your body's mobilizing to simply fight or run, Yeah. right? So that's sympathetic. That's one state of dysregulation. Now the second state is if that same tiger catches you, what's going to happen is you're actually going to play dead right? You're going to become immobilized, shut down. And what's happening is all that survival energy didn't go away. It gets shoved down. And the hope is, A, maybe if I play dead, the tiger will drop me and I could get away and all that energy is ready to be used. Right. Or if the tiger is going to eat me, then I don't want to feel pain. So when we're in this immobilized state, think depression, numb. we are numb. We are yeah. disconnected from our bodies, disconnected from emotions. It's why people describe trauma as I was out of my body. Literally yeah. your body's preparing for death. It's trying to protect you and it becomes immobilized and shut down. So that's a second state of survival, right? And so anxiety might fall more into the first yeah. depression, lack of motivation, hopelessness might is falling more into the second. Would you have any correlation between avoidance and anxious? Like would maybe one, I'm sure this there is not the first go. person has asked this. Yes, there's, they're very interconnected. So this is why the nervous system attachment, right? So someone who is more anxious leans more towards the sympathetic. They're yeah. living in that like everything feels threatening and I need to look for solutions and answers because the tiger is right around the corner. I might need to fight. I might need to run. Someone who leans avoidant when they get overwhelmed, they often go very dorsal. Yeah. That's what it's called, shutdown. It's called dorsal. So they withdraw. They feel hopeless. Like this, this is pointless. This isn't even going to work. What's the point of this relationship, right? If we're talking the context of relationship, yeah. that's exactly it. They keep themselves safe, 
safe by A, self-regulating, but B, they get a little more shut down and hopeless and withdrawn. Like, there's no point of this. Yeah. Whereas the anxiously attached is like, ah, I need to figure something out. I need to hold on to someone and I need other people. Cool. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, so now that we have this understanding of these two different survival states, the tools that you're going to use to regulate will be very different depending on which state you're in. And I think this is what people get wrong. They think all regulate all regulation tools are awesome, but each of us will have a unique set of tools that work for our unique nervous system in different times. When you're more in that sympathetic energy, and I think people that you're listening yeah. to might lean a little bit more towards that, like when we're thinking anxiety. Yeah. What I want you to think is that in that state, you have too much mobilizing energy. Your body is prepared to fight a tiger or run right. from a tiger, and you're just trying to sit there calm. Right. Right. There is too much mobilizing energy in your body, which feels like anxiety. Like, oh, why do I feel so uneasy? Why? Like, and we start trying to do. Some people start trying to clean. Some right. people start sending a bunch of text messages. Right. It's like yeah. your nervous system wants to do something. And so the way we deal with that dysregulation has to be what is a safe way for me to discharge this energy? Physically yeah. move this energy out of my body. Which that is, needs yeah. to be step one. Something to, for people to remember is anxiety is energy. It is mm-hmm. energy. And that's why Mobilizing, breath work, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's like we're giving the tools of exactly instead of reverting to the safe space of I need to co-regulate with someone. So if they just tell me everything's okay, my nervous system will be okay. It's about, well, no, how do you self-regulate? Because when you lean more anxious, you've got to learn how to self-regulate. Exactly. You need to self-regulate and the tools you use. So for example, here, meditation is not always effective for people. Meditation actually works best when we're regulated. When we're dorsal, it could withdraw us even further and kind of like feel out of our bodies. And when we're sympathetic, it might feel really unsafe to sit down and close your eyes. So for a lot of people, that increase a lot of anxiety happens, right? And so what we want to do in sympathetic is, this is going to sound silly, but this is what animals do in the wild. Guys, did you ever think about why animals don't get traumatized? Because they know how to move that energy out of their body. So yeah. if you've ever seen an animal like a dog or a bird that's just been like there was a threat, like a bird that flew into a window or a dog that something happened to, what do they do afterwards? They go and they shake their body yeah. to release that energy, right? And so we could do that as human beings. We could get up, dance, jump, go for a walk, right, yeah. physically move that energy out of your body. There's types of breath work that are more activating. There are really good. So we were talking about like breath of fire at that point. It's like moving the energy out of your body, using music, using movement using going outside but you want to think like a safe discharge you could scream into a pillow that works too Punch a pillow i don't give a a pillow exactly but it's actually physically moving the energy out of your body it is not intellectualizing if you try to think your way out you will just go in circles and actually that might spiral you into that dorsal state where you eventually just shut down yeah which is why like my first suggestion when people i don't do with them anxious i'm like put your fucking phone down 
Stop staring at what's causing you the anxiety. Go for a walk. I'm like, I don't care if you hit yourself in the head. I don't care if you have to do something to remind yourself where you are right now, but you've got to move it. That's why I'm like, go work out, go do yoga, go do something to where you feel, okay, I'm not ruminating on the same thought process. For me personally, anxiety, or I'm sorry, <laughs> anxiety, hi, Freudian slip. Uh, meditation helped with my anxiety, but that was also because I cultivated a meditation practice. That's it different. wasn't like, I've never done this before, so let me just sit down and breathe in and out and go, um, for 20 minutes. But it was because it's something I have worked in my toolbox that helped me in those moments to say, it's time for us to separate between the thoughts and the emotion. Stop attaching to the thoughts. But I think, like you said, it's a great point of you do that when you're regulated. So if you go outside, you go for a walk, you feel like, okay, I'm not feeling that as much. Then I think you, correct me if I'm wrong, then I think it's a safer space when you're brought down to say, okay, now it's time for me to just allow myself to be with my thoughts, but not attached to them. 100%. Exactly. And so, yes, at that point, when you feel a little bit more regulated, you can mm-hmm. start thinking about, okay, what, which of my needs are not being met? Right. What am I really looking for here? Where is this really coming from for yeah. me? Is this really about this person? Or is this, you know, some stuff from my childhood coming up? Like, once you're regulated, you can do that. That's the good place to, like, get support, like, talking kind of support, right? Yeah. That could be really, really helpful. But that's sympathetic. And you're so right, like, going for a walk, working out. But if that feels too hard, because it is, I think the hardest part is catching, oh, I'm dysregulating. So that's yeah. why... Like with all my clients, honestly, for the first month, we just work on identifying what is dysregulation because it could be very gradual. And sometimes people catch it when it's almost too late, when it's like bordering a panic attack and it's very hard to come back from that. But if you learn to like identify it early, you could take steps. So first it's like getting clear on what am I dysregulated? And secondly, it's, can I do something really small? So sometimes I'll tell people like, take a deep breath. Like I was just showing the physiological breath. It's a really, really simple where you inhale two times through your nose and then you exhale with a nice big sigh. So sighing actually literally helps move that mobilizing energy out of your body. Oh, you should hear me in every yoga class. I'm like, <gasps> yes. and it's like, and people make fun of me and I'm like, I'm getting it out. But that's what you need to do. That's out. what we should all do. I've learned it. Yes, I've learned it. 100%. And I think too, like, I think a good point about what all of these things that Masha is bringing up is like, everyone's different. Everybody is going to have... have to build that different toolkit. Everyone's going to have... So like, we can give you 3,000 different things, but you have to try to see. And I think that kind of plays into like triggers. It's like identifying... And that's also too, like when you're dating, if you know certain things trigger you, then please kindly stop fucking doing those. Like if you see that dating a specific kind of person is constantly triggering you because that person said they don't want a relationship or they're not ready for anything, but yet you keep going back, you keep triggering yourself and bringing yourself back to what's familiar. So it's identifying that and then also putting your big girl pants on to walk away from those situations because otherwise you're going to live in a constant state of dysregulation while you're trying to understand the other person, but you're taking it off yourself and you're not actually getting anything done. You both are just, that's the avoidant anxious trap, I feel. You both just keep perpetuating the same behavior because it's familiar. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. But I will say there's a little bit of like nuance to this that I see with clients a lot, which is. Absolutely. Part of regulating, like sometimes people just talk a lot about like physical, physical things you can do and tools you can use to regulate. And I think that's really important, but that's only part of the work. You really do have to look at your life and identify what are the tigers, quote unquote, in my life that I need to get rid of? Like real tigers. Maybe it's my relationship. Maybe it's a job because those things are bringing this chronic dysregulation and you have to get rid of them. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. However, there is like nuance to the triggers, right? Because triggers are basically cues of danger to our nervous system. And a lot of times they're things that are genuinely dangerous, like people who are, you know, aren't really there and supporting us, people who aren't emotionally available, right? 
obvious trigger. That, that's a trigger for most people, as it should be, right? However, a lot of us also have triggers that are coming from our childhood that are no longer needed or valid and actually holding us back. And so that's what I was talking about, where it's like learning to regulate your nervous system opens all of these doors. Yeah. For example, for a lot of my clients, you know, I can give a work example of or like a life example where for a lot of clients, they're constantly in that sympathetic fight or flight and literally relaxing and vacations don't feel oh, that triggers it's them. Tra- it's foreign. Exactly. They are triggered by rest. They are triggered by being in a regulated state. So we need to work through that, right? You're not going to avoid vacations and live in sympathetic. You need to learn to not be as triggered, regulate your nervous system, show your nervous system this thing is safe. It's not actually dangerous. Even in relationships, though, and like you'll, you know, where I'm probably going with that. I was just going to say, please tell me you're going to go where I think you're going to go. Exactly. A lot of us, when we grow up with what's familiar is emotionally unavailable men. Let's use that example, right? emotionally available men don't feel safe to our nervous system and they trigger the fuck out of our nervous system or even love doesn't feel safe like those kind of things don't feel safe to us totally and it's for and that's why a lot of people oh healthy is boring it's like no it's consistent it's not boring you just don't feel triggered all the time which is what we're seeking a calm nervous system and i think also too the triggers i think that could be misconstrued is like the the texting even for instance of like that guy didn't text me all day and it's like so you're getting triggered by the perception of abandonment, but you're not, you're seeing it through a very um, cloudy lens. You're seeing it to me through that childhood lens, as opposed to through the adult that understands that that's not a, that's no longer a threat. Just because somebody didn't text you to reassure you, that is not a trigger to start going all up in arms. What that is, that is the prime example of that's deeper shit. That is something else is there. This isn't the person's behavior because something so minute should not set you off. And then that also goes back into, so you want other people to regulate you instead of you figuring out, because that's my number one, like one of my biggest non-negotiables with tech guy. And like, I've told you this is the fact that he can manage his emotions. That's really fucking hot to me that even when he's dysregulated or when he's feeling those things, he doesn't take it out on me. He understands how to differentiate between the triggers of what's going on and then his relationship. Yes. A hundred percent. And that is emotional maturity, right? And you're absolutely right with triggers. This is kind of, when I say I help people learn to regulate their nervous system, this is really what it is, like the deeper stuff, which is understanding what are your triggers and then going deeper Mm -hmm. into what are they. So there's the surface level trigger of, oh, he doesn't text me right away. That's like the tangible action that triggers you. But what's really important to understand once you're regulated in a safe space to think about what is the narrative for oh, me? Oh, the subtext. Right? What is the oh. subtext? What is the headline, right? Because yeah. it's kind of like, you know, you know that experience of like you're at dinner with someone, someone picks up their phone and we all feel it. Yeah, you feel yeah. it. But each of our stories will be different, right? Yep. Me and you might both be like, oh, I hate when someone picks up their phone at dinner. But for me, it might be, I feel disrespected. Right. For you, it might be, I'm abandoned. Exactly. Or vice versa, yeah, right? Like my dad used to do that when we were kids and I feel like you're not, or I'm not being heard. I'm exactly. not being listened to. It's a different experience for everybody, but thus it's still manifesting itself. Exactly. And so once we understand what's deeper, we can really look at it like, wait a second, am I actually not being respected here? Or is this something like personal that I really need to work through? And once we understand that and then we get regulated, we could come back to thinking about, okay, is there a boundary I need to set around this? Or is this really not that big a deal? This is really something that's mine and I'm willing and able to work through it. Yeah. Which is also sometimes like when I get the tough love and when I say get a grip... I don't mean it to be a dick. I mean it to be a 
get your gain control of your thought process because you are spiraling when you start not you the proverbial you but when we work with clients and I'm sure you've seen this too where we start to see the spiral and it's like when I say get a grip it's like you need to understand that you are in the now you are here you're not living from that you keep coming from that emotional age of the child which is constantly reaffirming that nervous system that this is right see I'm right I knew I was right that guy didn't text me and you look for you look for evidence to reaffirm your shit as opposed to no I'm doing it again I am causing this as opposed to he didn't text me and then you start acting differently and then you reaffirm to yourself see I knew it that was my I was right 100% and the only thing I would say differently you're 100% about reconfirming that same pattern right when you give into it you're strengthening that pattern any choice we make is either strengthening an existing pattern or breaking an existing pattern and creating a new one right and like what you described is exactly that you are strengthening reconfirming that false narrative however and you know this you can't think your way out of it. Like, so when we tell people like, come on, get a grip, they can't because they're dysregulated. No. And that's kind of like what I help people realize. They're like, why do I know what I should do? But in the moment, I don't do it. What's wrong with me? And why do I keep falling into the same trap? And it's like, what I find helps people like get a sense of, I don't know, a sense of like self-compassion maybe. Yeah. And like self-acceptance is realizing like, wait a second, I literally don't have the ability to catch myself in that moment. Like my prefrontal cortex is not aligned. I can't think my way out. It's not that something is broken. It's that my nervous system has taken over. And so if I could just learn to shift that a little bit, then I could apply all this knowledge that I'm learning. Because I think like so many people that I talk to, and you probably have the same experience, they know so much. They read so many books. They listen to so many people. And then struggle to actually take action on it. Yeah. And I think it does give a certain level of understanding where you're like, wait, it's not that I don't know enough or need more information. I am just struggling to regulate in that moment. If I was regulated, I would be able to use all this amazing information and wisdom that I've accumulated throughout my life. Yeah, but it starts somewhere. There's an awareness that has to be cultivated. When I say get a grip, there is an awareness where otherwise you'll spiral for days. You could go, you could dance all the way through this to fucking China. And if you don't at least cultivate to start somewhere of I'm doing it again, that's where I like for me, at least in my journey throughout this whole thing, I used to be so dysregulated most of the time that it was hard for people to be around me because they felt my constant state of dysregulation. They felt Mm -hmm. You could feel the energy and my sister would even say, I can't be next to you. It's too much. Mm. She learned that though in childhood. She learned that there's no patience for what she's going through because my dad would always walk out. Well, I didn't know this. I didn't know this for years. I didn't understand. So it was the same dynamics being played over and over again. But as I started to cultivate an awareness, I did have to start telling myself, dude, you need to get a grip of yourself because I knew very well what the narrative I was replaying, it was the same fucking thing I have been experiencing for years. Totally. 100%. But there's different levels of your healing journey. There's different levels of where you are. Like you said, some people are so, and I get that all the time of like, I know what to do, but why can't I do it? So what would your suggestion be to those people? If you know what to do, but you can't do it, chances are it is the dysregulation. You are just not in control. Your survival instinct has yeah. taken over and you know all the information. And when you come back, you're like, damn it, I knew what I was supposed to do, yeah. but I didn't do it, right? And so my suggestion, and I, I bet like this is where you started too, like that's what you're talking about, the awareness, is having awareness of, wait a second, I think my nervous system is dysregulated. That's what I always tell people. Number one, if you could just ide- start identifying dis- what dysregulation feels like in your body, what each of those two dysregulated states feel like, and you could start calling that out. The second you call it out to yourself, you're kind of separating from it. You're like, 
wait a second, this is dysregulation. And I know if this is dysregulation, I need to address this dysregulation before I address the situation, right? And so that awareness comes before action. And then once people build that awareness, and even if they keep falling into the same pattern for a while, if you keep having that awareness of, oh, this is dysregulation and dysregulation just made me do X, Y, and Z, which I always do. And you do that four or five times. You're like the seventh time, the 10th time, you're going to be like, wait, this is dysregulation and I'm about to do X, Y, and Z again. What could I do slightly differently? Can I take a breath? And so then it becomes these gradual tools, very, very small things we start doing to start coming into our bodies. And in that process, we're like learning slowly to take control of ourselves. Yeah, because I think ultimately too, I think that's why like a lot of my videos resonate with people is because I am that voice when they're, because I get so many people like, you've stopped me from spiraling. I am that, hey, you're doing it again because it's a lot of, you know the behavior, you've become very comfortable with that behavior. And I think this is what, like I've told you this, like this is what I love about your content versus like a lot of stuff in this world is you are calling people out and like, wait, this is your stuff. And yeah. you need to take care of that within yourself. And then we could look to the relationship yep. and what's happening there, right? Yep. But don't go pointing fingers at them before yep. you've really turned the awareness inward. And I think a lot of people in this world are kind of like, because it's an easy sell or talking about the other person. And that's what everyone wants to hear because it's easier than taking responsibility and looking at yourself. And so I think you are that like, wait, bring awareness to what's happening for you, what's happening for you. And when you hear that enough, hopefully you could pause enough to be like, wait, it's me. And then the next question is going to be, okay, what do I do to regulate myself? How do I stop consuming content and actually go and regulate myself? Yeah. Like Sabrina just told me to do that. How do I go and regulate Actually before? do it. Yeah, instead of watching more videos. Do you right. know what I mean? In and a way. perpetuating it and can exactly. continuing going. Exactly. And I, thank you and I appreciate that. But I think it's, that's sometimes why I'll be very harsh. And which I love about your content is very educational. You're explaining to people, this is why. There's nothing wrong with you. I am here to explain, you, the, the science behind what you're feeling. And then I'm here to go, and now let's implement it. So it's a really great tag team, which is why Masha has so much success with her clients and, and vice versa. And I have so much success with people that I work on because it's just different ways of, I think a lot of the times we're talking the same language. We're, we're talking, talking about the same shit. And we're doing very similar things. Yeah, Absolutely. it's just manifesting. So really quick, because I know we're getting, Ooh. so let's go and do a little right lightning round. Okay. I'd like to. And you know what? Fuck it. We'll do a third part. We'll do a part three. We can always keep going. But for part two. Okay. So here, real quick. How do you tell you are regulated and healing? Yes. Okay. I would start with thinking about what does dysregulation feel like for you? Really understanding dysregulation first is kind of where I start. But what does regulated feel like? Actually, I want to answer the second part. She said regulated or healing, right? That's the question we got. You know you're healing when you notice there's more flexibility in your nervous system. We're not actually looking to be perfectly regulated all the time. That is not the goal with nervous system regulation. There is nothing wrong with you going into that sympathetic fight or flight state or even shutting down. Those are completely normal. It's having flexibility. So you know you're healing when the intensity, duration, and frequency of that anxiety or of the behaviors that are not serving you starts to decrease. When that's intensity, duration, frequency, when that starts to change, you know you are healing it is never going to be overnight it is an ongoing journey and so if you just notice like oh i'm anxious but it's like it used to be a few hours and now it's like 30 minutes and i could like slowly pull myself out that's amazing that means you're building flexibility it means you're gaining control of your nervous system that is what we are working towards that is what we're learning to do that is the goal well it's like when you start to see like i knew for me the things that used to trigger me stopped triggering me as much like when i wouldn't get the text 
I, st- I even look, would look and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm proud of you. You didn't even care because uh, I got control over. And I also, I mean, from I think when you're really talking about the healing stuff, it's like I also started to reparent. The reparenting thing was like really big for me because I think a lot of the times like I've talked to so many therapists and it's like about the emotional age that you keep coming from. And that is why your nervous system is so dysregulated because you keep coming from that same space. And when you start to grow into, no, I'm here now to take care of me. And when I started to reparent my little child and let her know, you're no longer this not everybody's dad. 100%. Not everybody is dad and the threat and Joe leaving you and all of your family members abandoning you. That is no longer the case. I am here now and I am saving you. And I started to trust myself more. Yes, 100%. And I actually incorporate inner child and parts work into all of my work for that exact Same. reason. Same. Because I think it's so important. So the nervous system is kind of like, oh, okay, I'm kind of pulling out of it and, and a, looking at it from a scientific lens. So like, yeah. which gives a little bit space to be less judgmental of yourself, yeah, basically. Like yeah. I find that to be the first step. And then to bring in more compassion of wait, I became this way yeah. for a very good reason. And that little child, that little girl still lives within me. And it's not about getting rid of her and her bad yeah. behaviors. It's about having compassion for them. Yes. And then showing up for that little girl differently, parenting her in a way she didn't get parented through action, right? And like, this is where both of us like totally agree. It's about taking consistent action. And that action starts really small, but over time it builds, it snowballs. There's like exponential growth. It might be for that little girl right now, I just take a breath. I, I tell her, you don't need that text message. You just need to like show up for yourself. That might be step one. And then you might get to the point where you're like, wait, this text message doesn't even bother me. And you're yeah. like connecting with that little child and noticing how safe she feels, right? And so it's just like this gradual process, but you're 100% right. That like compassion oh, that so comes big. from parts work and inner child work, that is where the healing happens. Um, dude, that almost, is the healing. Almost every fucking client that I work with to date, every time we'll start talking, the first thing I'll say is, well, let me know what happened to you up until about that age eight, because I know from zero to seven is the egocentric phase. So whatever happens then is everything is about you. So like your parents divorce. Oh, it's because of me. I wasn't mm-hmm. good enough. And I caused them the divorce, things like that. Like fucking clockwork. Every single client will say something and you're like, there it is. And here you are acting this out over and over and over and over. And 100%. like you always say, it's not the big T's. Trauma can be perception of the experience. It could be my mom worked all the time and just wasn't there to meet 100%. my emotional needs. It doesn't mean that she did anything wrong. As an adult, you can understand, yeah, my parents did the best they could and you can rationalize it and you can calm your own nervous system because you're a grown-ass adult. But the child, the reason that emotional age keeps happening, doesn't understand. They're looking at it going, but they keep leaving me. Why do they keep leaving me? Because you don't get it. So reparenting that inner child comes with that as well of, but you're safe now because I am here for you and we're no longer stuck there. 100%. And like, honestly, all the actions we take when we're coaching and healing and doing the work, right, is to reparent that inner child. Yeah, oh yeah. That's basically every action you take with the goal is to show that child that there is another way and show them that we have other tools now. We don't need to do it that way. And yeah. I'm going to be here for you. That's all the action. That's where the transformation happens in taking these gradual actions to show up for this child from this very understanding and compassionate place. Yeah, because I had an awesome client the other day and she's like, I know all this, but why can't I? And I was like, have you talked to little you? And it was a mind blow. She was like, oh my God. And all the dog, and she's been reaching out to me being like, it's fucking working. And it's like, I know it is because she thinks she's running the show and you have to let her know she no longer needs to. I'm okay. You no longer have to be in dysregulation. I'm here now. And I think it's it's a beautiful relationship you build with yourself. That's my favorite practice. 100% and like the way I connected to 
the regulation now tying these two together is when you're dysregulated, a protective or wounded part has taken over. Yes. And it is driving your car. I always use the analogy yeah. of the car. Like who's driving it? Is it your higher authentic self right. or is it one of the protective or wounded parts? And when we're dysregulated, one of those parts drop, yeah. like sits in the driver's seat and starts using this old coping mechanism that worked in the past. And our job is to kind of make that child feel safe and buckle them back in. Yes, And exactly. let them know like, you are safe. I'm going to drive. You, you, don't you shouldn't be to. driving. Because for years, the kid took over and that's There exactly. was no adult driving. Right. right. And it's like, and that's where you show up to save yourself. That's why I was like, no one's going to do this for you. That relationship, you think if he just texts me, I'll be okay. You're kidding yourself. You are, you are letting the little girl drive. You are letting her still fucking take over as opposed to, you're right, I need to be a grown-ass adult and I need to now take control of this. And this is where that self-trust piece comes in. I know we didn't talk about no. that. We said we would, but this is the self-trust piece, yeah. right? It's like you think that someone outside of you is going to save you or some achievement outside of you is going to fill that void. And all of this work is about realizing like, the only person who could fill that void is you. That pain, that trauma that happened to yeah. you, you don't need another person to heal that. No. You, another person can't heal that. They no. can't rewrite history, but you could. When you build that relationship with yourself and then that little child learns to trust you, yeah, yeah. they could trust that you're going to show up, that you're not going to let men take advantage of them, that you're not going to allow you know, people who aren't right for you into your life or to exhaust yourself. That's when magic starts happening yeah. in life when you have that deep trust with yourself which is really a deep trust with all your parts that you are going to show up that yeah. you are there for them i remember when my therapist a few years ago told me and she was like i want you to start looking at people as children and she was like, once you do, you have a lot more compassion for 100%. every person. And it's so true because it's like, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. But anyways. Do that. you know there's a show about this? Have you seen the Carrie Washington show? Oh, no. Is that what it's about, though? It's called Unprisoned. And she basically has this inner child that keeps coming up. And yeah. not to ruin the ending, but in the ending, she realizes she hasn't been taking care of this inner child. So abandoned. And they have been, like, she was friends with the inner child, but she wasn't making the inner child feel safe. Right. And that was, I think, that'll, that that sounds like a next It's time. really cool yeah. to, like, watch it in a movie and they it's, show it. Like, it's, it's cool form. that they're incorporating this. Yeah, and I think that's going to be another episode, pod, a podcast episode of, like, the inner child work. But I think, personally, yeah, what I've noticed is, like, the true, really, the, the true healing begins there because I think it's a lot of Band-Aids, but when you need serious surgery, you can't just keep putting Band-Aids on it and expect that it's going to heal itself. And those Band-Aids are given to you by other people. 100%. And I think it's, like, fun. It's interesting, right, in all our work in nervous system regulation work and dating world, a lot of people are giving a lot of band-aids, a lot oh, of things like yeah. you just do in the moment. And I think both of us are kind of not about that. Like, no. sure, I teach you techniques and tools for regulating, but we need to do this inner work of reparenting your inner child, understanding yourself, connecting with yourself and your body. Otherwise, it's all a band-aid. And 100%. You can't live that way. No. You're not going to see the results that you're looking for. It's not going to be sustainable. And the biggest thing for me, I think we'll end on this note, was I think showing myself compassion and explaining to the little you, to little me like it wasn't your fault yeah. you didn't do anything to do you didn't deserve this you didn't do anything you were not a bad child because that's what my dad always used to say you were bad kids and for so long i'd blame myself and now after doing the work and talking to little me I had to reaffirm to her, you are beautiful as you are and I accept you for who you are and look at what we've built because I have you. And it's, that's where the self-trust started to happen. And, and then as you, and you know, you know, maybe this will be part three, but as we started to build boundaries and as you start to implement them and as you start to prioritize yourself in a relationship, you'd start to trust yourself more. 
A hundred. I love how you said that. It's about building that relationship with these other parts and showing these other parts that you understand them. You thank them for their service and how they've showed up for you. And now you're here and you're going to keep showing up and you're going to keep letting them feel safe and you're going to unburden them of that role that they should have never had to take on, but they did. Which is where the guilt comes in with a lot of people. Why can't I do better? It's almost like they're mad at the little them for not understanding when it's like you have to think about it. A child is screaming. Doesn't listen to anybody but his parents. Everyone's coming up, shush, shush, shush. But then the parents come up and comment, that's you. And only you can come up and calm you because the child doesn't trust anybody. Doesn't know anybody. And that guilt, and you're so right. Like I see this all the time of why people stay so stuck. Honestly, the number one reason I see people staying stuck is because they struggle with compassion. They read about compassion. They intellectualize compassion. But real compassion is having love, understanding, and honestly, like, respecting and almost saying thank you and gratitude for the younger wounded protective parts when you could say like i know i don't like this behavior and i know i want to change this behavior and i will i'm going to work on it but right now i could understand where this behavior is coming from oh yeah and i know how this behavior has served me and i know where it came from and i could just give myself a little bit of love and understanding yeah even if i'm going to actively try to change that behavior we're not forcing that change we're going to have acceptance love and compassion and once you give that to your inner child you know what happens they stop acting out right like every child that you've ever known why do kids act out because they're want attention they want attention they want love and most of us the way we treat our inner child is honestly the way we were treated by our parents which is ignored just dismissed right and so we don't we're often in sessions people are like my parents did this and this and this and i'm like I hate to break it to you. You're doing the same thing to your inner child. You keep self-abandoning. You keep telling me how bad you are and all of these things. Like, it's not exactly what your parents used to say to you. Yeah. And you're like, damn. Exactly. How would you talk to a kid? Exactly. How would you show yourself? And like you said, we'll end on that. It's like, how do you thank yourself for, thank you for doing what you needed to do when you thought I needed you, but I got this from here. Yep. Exactly. Well... What a fucking awesome episode. What an awesome episode. We that it. wasn't even scripted. Um, <laughs> thank you guys again. So, Masha, where can people find you? Yes, you guys can find me on Instagram at Masha K M A S H A K A Y. That's Instagram. And on TikTok, I'm at Coach Masha K. So, same spelling M A S H A K A Y. Um, yeah, you could find me there. And if you're interested in working with me, last time I offered the same thing, so I want to share the same offer is I'm really excited to be able to offer a discount on a one-on-one introductory session. And so I think Sabrina will give you guys the link. The code is Sabrina. And for that, you will get a one-on-one session with me for only $97. Awesome. Yeah, so I will link all this in the show notes. You'll have her Instagram and her TikTok and then that. And guys, if you need anything, either Masha or myself are here. It really depends on... You know, I think, like you said, we do a lot of the same work, but in different ways. So if you want to book a session with Masha, book a fucking session. If you need me, you can book a session with me one-on-one. Listen to next week's podcast and always know that you are here, you are supported, you are loved, and you are beautiful as you are. And there's there's nothing broken. We're just healing. So on that note, we love you to everybody and we'll see you next week.